12 boys and their soccer coach found alive inside this cave a in Thailand. A mid-air disaster. He lost trust in both engines, he said. The miners trapped half a mile below now the surface Bill's here. player is down. Well, this is the last thing you want to see. How many of you? The water level started to rise. Search and rescue was immediately launched. Over 1,000 people involved in the round-the-clock effort. They're not willing to rest until the last one of them is rescued. More help is on the way. They called your recovery remarkable. Just God, uh, just a blessing, you know. I'm just thankful he gave me a second chance. His recovery is nothing short of miraculous. Everybody got off that plane. For tonight, they are free. Incredible news. We're coming. It's okay. It's okay. Many people are coming. And, uh, you know, in our culture, like we, um, man, there's something about a rescue story that just grabs hold of our hearts. I, I remember, and just stays with us, I remember when I was nine years old, our family was glued to TV, uh, watching about a little 18-month-old girl who had fallen into a well in Midland, Texas. And, uh, and it was, um, it was our family, I mean, our family was just, we were gripped by that story. I still remember her name. Uh, her name was Baby Jessica, and, uh, and I remember we watched that story of the rescue. And I remember with my own family uh, being circled up around TV and watching the story of these uh, Chilean miners who were stuck down in a, uh, in a mine shaft and for 69 days before they were, they were recovered in that, uh, in that rescue mission. And I, I remember watching on news about, a, about the captain of a, of a, of a flight who, uh, who, who landed, the, landed the plane in the, in the Hudson River. And, uh, and these stories, like, like the boys' soccer team, right? in Thailand that was, was stuck in a cave when the waters flooded in. And, and there's something about these, these stories that just grip our heart and, I mean, gain the attention of our, of our nation and of our world and eventually end up in a movie that usually stars Tom Hanks. Uh, Tom Hanks has made his living on rescue stories. I mean, think about Captain Phillips and, and, and Sully and Saving Private Ryan and Apollo 13 and... And, and Turner and Hooch, like there's these great classic rescue stories that have, that have gripped, right, the attention. And, and here's, I mean, there's just this, there's this similarity in every rescue. You've got, you've got somebody or you've got a group of people who were just going through life and they were just on a journey. And then a crisis happened either because of their own choosing or because of something beyond their control, which left them in a, in a position, left them in a place where they were, in need, they were stuck and they were trapped and they were in need of help. They were in need of a rescue. And maybe one of the, one of the greatest uh, kind of headlines over this year so far was back on January 2nd, Monday Night Football, the Bills and the Bengals. And it was early in the game in the first quarter that there was a routine tackle, a 24-year-old DeMar Hamlin, routine tackle that, you know, millions of people as they watched on. I mean, they thought they were watching a football game. But in that moment, um, they were part of a prayer meeting. Because in that moment of just this routine tackle that ended up causing cardiac arrest and just players and fans and the, like, the world looked on horrified. There was just nothing. There was nothing, to, there was nothing that we could do. There was nothing that people could do except for, except for just pray. I mean, you think about it, you've got millionaires You've got millionaires who were on the field and millionaires who could not solve that problem within. So just players began to pray and coaches began to pray. Sidelines began to pray. Fans began to pray. People at home began to pray. 
And there's nothing that people could do in that moment to, to solve that. In fact, there was the medical and the professionals who were there. And they, for nine minutes, the, the assistant or the associate trainer, Denny uh, Kellington, performed CPR. And it was incredible, incredible medical help. But all that everybody else could do in that moment was what their hearts told them to do was to, was to pray. And, and as that one pastor said, he said, they thought, millions thought they were watching a football game. But it, began, it became a prayer a prayer meeting. And DeMar Hamlin sat down with Michael Strahan for an interview a couple months. It's been a couple months, but he sat down a couple weeks ago uh, with this interview. And I want you to listen to what DeMar Hamlin says. Check this out. Your doctors in Cincinnati, they called your recovery remarkable. I mean, three days on the ventilator, your neurological function is intact. I'm sitting here talking to you today. I feel like I wouldn't know anything ever happened to you. Um, why do you think your recovery is so remarkable? Uh, first and foremost, just, just God, um, just a blessing, you know. I'm just thankful he gave me a second chance, you know, just to, to live normally and just, you know, not even, just come out almost without a, a scratch on me. I mean, we can thank, we can thank God for that. But you just, you think about that, that's a rescue story. He, he died on that, field, on that field. There was nothing that he could do to, to save himself. And through the prayers of many and through people that were involved, I mean, the doctors have said, this is remarkable. Doctors have said, it's a miracle. Some have even said that, that he could play again in the NFL. It's likely that he could play again. They said, that's up to him. But that, I mean, it's just, that's a rescue story. And when we see these rescue stories, the reason that it grips our hearts is because we know what it's like to be in need of a rescue because it's, it's part of our story too. We know what it's like to, to be in need. Have you ever experienced that in life? You're just going along and you're on the journey and things are going good and then a crisis happens either because of a series of decisions that you've made maybe over time or maybe just suddenly because of something that happens beyond your control and in that moment you're like, you know, I mean, maybe you've never been in a mine shaft but you know what it's like to feel trapped in your own, in your own sin or in, your, in the guilt or in the shame or maybe Maybe you've never been in a cave in Thailand, but you know what it's like to, to feel trapped in circumstances going, I don't problems you can't solve, issues you can't manage, relationships that are broken, and thinking, I don't know how to get out of this. I'm trapped in this situation, in these circumstances. Maybe you've never experienced cardiac arrest on a football field, but you know what it's like. We know what it's like to lay in a bed with a broken heart. We know what it's like to be in need of a rescue. It's part of our story. It's part of humanity's story. It's, it's part of the biblical story. When you read through the Bible, you see that the Bible is a story of a rescue mission. You go back to the Exodus, and what you see is that the Exodus is a rescue story. The nation of Israel is enslaved in Egypt, and they cry out to God for a rescue. And God raises up Moses, and Moses leads them. And in one night, what we would call the Passover, in that one night, he rescues his people out of slavery and bondage in Egypt and rescues them and delivers them from that. It's a rescue story. And in fact, Isaiah talks about this. And Isaiah, he sums it up in, verse, in chapter 43, verse 3. He says, For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for your ransom. I, even I, am the Lord. And apart from me, there is no, no Savior. God's saying, there's no way you would have gotten out of that if it wasn't for me. There's no way in your own that strength that you would have gotten out of that. But because I have saved you, can you look back in your life and have things and say, Look, there's no way I would have gotten through that. There's no way I would have gotten out of that. There's no way that I would have been delivered. There's no way that I would be where I am today if it wasn't for the hand of God. Do you have a testimony today? Do you have a story of a God who's rescued you and brought you through so much? 
The Exodus is a rescue story. When they enter into the, the promised land, entering into the land is a rescue story. We look in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 22. It says, the Lord your God will clear away these nations before you little by little. You may not make an end of them all at once, or at once, lest the wild beasts grow too numerous for you. You ever seen this verse? Just shows up in there. He says, little by little. Here's what, here's what he's saying. He's saying, because God loved Israel so much, he raised up another leader after Moses named Joshua who would lead them into the promised land. And as Joshua led them in, God said, I will clear out the nations before you. I will give you the land that I promised to you, but I'm gonna do it little by little. Because if I gave you everything that I have for you all at once, it would crush you. You know, if God gave you your destiny, if he gave you everything that he has, if he gave you all that he has promised over you, if God gave you everything all at once, it would crush you. So what God does is his way out of his infinite mercy for us, he gives us little by little. As we, re, as we build up character and as we build up the scaffolding in our heart and our soul, as God builds strength on the inside so that we can steward the blessings that he gives us. When, when we possess too much too soon, it creates, it creates beasts that you don't even know about. And so out of God's mercy for us, out of his grace for us, as a byproduct of his goodness, he gives us the land little by little. Rescue happens in a night, but recovery takes time. Rescue from Egypt happened in a night, but recovery takes time. Damar Hamlin didn't put on uniform and play that next game. <laughs> recovery takes time. Some of you are in recovery right now. Recovery from addiction, recovery from habits and, and hangups and things in the past. And in fact, we're all in recovery. The only thing that keeps us from being in rescue and recovery is denial of our need for a rescue. But when we realize that we're in need of rescue, we're in recovery, and we are in the rebuilding. And, re and we rebuild the way, the way we, they say it, the way we say it is one day at a time. One moment at a time, one day at a time. And so that, that little by little is the mercy of God. And so God rescues us in a night, but he, we learn to live in the promises of God and live in the territory that he has and live into our destiny little by little, one day at a time. He says, the scripture says, like some, some, many of the Psalms are rescue stories. The Psalms, it's in the center of your Bible, but it's these songs that were written, and many of them were written by David, and they're these rescue songs. In fact, Psalm, Psalm 40 is a great song by you too, but it's also... A great psalm in the Bible. It comes from Psalm 40. And David writes, he says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me up out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire, and he set my feet on a rock, and he gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. So David's saying, I know what it's like to be in a pit. Do you know what it's like to be in a pit? Do you know what it's like to feel trapped? Do you know what it's like to feel boxed in? Do you know what it's like to feel in a place where you're like, I don't know how I got here and I don't know how to get out of here. Do you know what it's like to be in a place where you're slipping and where you're like, I just can't get traction. I don't know how to get out. David did. And David gives us this psalm from that place. And he says, he says there was this pit and that word pit in the Hebrew, it refers to a grave. That Satan has dug an early grave for you. And when Satan digs a pit and when Satan digs an early grave, the thing is, he can't make you stay there. 
It's a choice to stay there. Satan can't make you stay in that early grave. The thing is that God can't make you get out. That you have a choice that will I receive this rescue? And Satan wants to convince us that we have to stay there and God wants to convince us the truth that he can rescue us and that he can bring recovery and healing to our heart and to our lives and he can get us out of that pit. And David said, now he put my feet on solid ground. He's like, I'm not slipping anymore. I can stand firm. I can stand secure. And so he's put my feet on solid ground. And then he says, he heard my cry. Listen, God finds it irresistible, the cry of one who cries out to him, God, I need a rescue. You know why? Because being a rescuer is his nature. Being a rescue is his character. Being a rescuer is who he is. He finds irresistible. A person says, God, I need help. Like, I can't do it on my own anymore, God. I need your help. And he comes and he runs too and he says, he, he comes to rescue us and it says, surely, Isaiah 59, one says, surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save nor his ear too dull to hear. In other words, there's never been a pit too deep for God's arm, for his hand to rescue us. And so he reaches out and he said, if you'll reach out to me, if you'll cry out to me, God hears and he comes and he rescues us. And he said, he set my feet upon a rock and gave me a firm place to stand where we can stand and where we can see and we can breathe again. He puts breath in our lungs so that we can, we can sing a song. <laughs> he says, he put a new song in my mouth. When you come out of that pit, you've got a song to sing and a story to tell. You've experienced pain, but you know what you found? You found a purpose. You may have lost time, but you gained a testimony. You may have wandered, but now you got wisdom. You may have known a mess, but now you got a message. You may have suffered, but now you got a song. He has brought you out of that pit. He's put your feet on solid ground and he's given you a story to tell. And God can transform your pain and he can redeem lost time. God can redeem lost time. He's giving you a testimony. He's giving you a story. He's giving you wisdom. And you read through the scripture, and it's a story of God rescuing people from problems and from enemies. And he'll do the same for you. And all of this points to the New Testament. And the New Testament is God's ultimate rescue story through Jesus. It's the plan that God's been working toward all along through Jesus. Um, you read through the scriptures, you find it all points to Jesus and that Jesus is the ultimate rescue. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, Jesus says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save that which is lost. Jesus said, I'm on a rescue mission. I'm driving in on the interstate in the mornings and oftentimes I'm driving by, I see this little sign that says off the interstate, somebody put it at the top of a telephone pole. And it's this little sign that says up there, it says, Jesus saves. I don't know who put that up there. When traffic is good, like I just fly by it. I barely see it. Most mornings I got plenty of time to meditate and to, uh, and to, and to think on that sign. And so I see that sign up there. And so when traffic is bad, like I get plenty of time to just think about how Jesus saves. And I was thinking about that. I was thinking about that where I was like, that phrase, especially if you've grown up in the South, in the Bible Belt, maybe you've heard that phrase a lot. But have you ever just thought about like, what does that mean that Jesus saves? That word saves is synonymous with rescue, that Jesus rescues. 
And so I was thinking about that. I was like, yeah, Jesus saves us. He saves us from sin, and he saves us from death, and he saves us from hell. And that is a glorious reality. And we could spend a, we could spend a lifetime thinking about what that means. But it's even greater. It's even more comprehensive than that. Jesus rescues us. And so sometimes when I'll be sitting in traffic and looking at that sign, I'll just think about what do I need rescue from today? Paul talks about in Philippians 2, he says, work out your salvation. That it's not just that we're saved in the moment when we trust Christ and receive forgiveness of our sins, but that we're being saved, that he is rescuing us every single day. I say, Jesus, I need a rescue from my pride. And I need a rescue from a religious spirit. I need a rescue from, from judge, judgmentalism. I need a rescue from, a, from being offended. I need, I need a rescue from control, from feeling like I've got to hold it all together. I need a rescue from comparison and comparing myself with other people. I need a rescue from thinking that my worth is my work and that I'm only as good as the last message. I need a rescue from thinking that I'm only as good as how things are going in my life right now or how things are going with my family. I need a rescue from, I need a rescue from focusing on me. I need a rescue from selfishness. I need a rescue from, from ego. I need a rescue from it being about me, Jesus. I need a rescue today from just losing my cool because I'm sitting in traffic and that dude cut me off. Jesus, I need a rescue. I need a rescue from, from appearance and focusing on how things look. To, Jesus, I need a rescue to how things really are and what's true. I need a rescue from my insecurity. I need a rescue from my shame. Jesus, I need a rescue today. Does anybody need a rescue today? Do you see it's bigger, it is bigger, it's more comprehensive, and all we have to do is to recognize our need for rescue and cry out, and he finds it irresistible. And I'm gonna show, you, show it to you from a story in Luke chapter 19. If you've got a Bible, you can turn to Luke chapter 19. If you don't have a Bible, just steal your neighbors. Just kidding, you can look on with them. They'd be glad to share. Luke chapter 19, it's a great rescue story. I don't think Tom Hanks would play the leading role, but I think it is still... Uh, a, a great rescue story. And it picks up in, in, verse, in verse one. But it's a rescue story of a man who thought he was in a pit and he thought he was too far gone. But Jesus convinced him otherwise. We'll pick up in, in verse one, chapter 19. It says, And Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through, and a man was there by the name Zacchaeus. And he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy, and he wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. And so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree, sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Now, Jesus is nearing the end of his mission. He knows that he's going to die on the cross soon and he's passing through Jericho going to Jerusalem. But he, uh, he, he stops. He, he stops. It wasn't on the itinerary to stop, but he stops because we know that there was a man there named Zacchaeus. And what do we know about Zacchaeus? We know that he was a wee little man. And a wee little man was he. And Zacchaeus was a, what was his profession? He was a tax collector. A tax collector in that day wasn't a real popular profession. I don't know how popular, I don't know if people go around and say, hey, I work for the IRS. I mean, I don't know how popular it is today, especially this time of year. But like in that day, it was a despised possession. It was one of the most despised possessions because a tax collector was somebody, see, they were under Roman invasion and a tax collector were, the, were some of those people who had sided up with the Romans in order to make a buck. In order to make money, they sided up with the, with the country that had invaded them because Rome wanted to suck the life out of Israel. And one of the ways they did that is through taxation, through taxing them. And so it would be like somebody in Ukraine joining with Russia in order to tax the people of Ukraine so that they could make more money. They would take advantage of their friends and of their family and turn their back on their country in order for wealth. 
And so it was a despised possession. Some of the religious leaders taught that tax collectors, being a tax collector, was beyond redemption. In other words, they said that if somebody was a tax collector, there's no way they could be saved because they'd turned their back on their nation, because they'd turned their back on God, that they were beyond rescue, beyond redemption. And we know that Zacchaeus, he wasn't just a tax collector. What was he? The chief tax collector, which means if tax collectors were hated in Jericho, Zacchaeus was the most hated man in Jericho. And we know that he was short. The Bible says he was short. How short do you have to be for the Bible to say you're short? <laughs> so Zacchaeus is a short, short man, much shorter than me, if you're wondering. And so, so Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, is, he wants to see Jesus. By now, he's figured out that his wealth can't save him. He's figured out that, that there have been people, there have been a long list of people that he has wounded and that he has hurt and that he's betrayed. He can look back and see body bags along the way. And Zacchaeus has discovered that his things and his stuff and his possessions can't deal with his heart. He's experienced a spiritual heart attack. He knows that he can't fix his own. His, his money can't fix the problem in here. And so Zacchaeus hears that Jesus is coming through. And so what Zacchaeus does, he runs ahead. He's, he runs ahead. It says that he runs ahead and climbs a tree. Now, dignified men, back in that day, nor in our day, climb trees. If you went to a doctor's office and you pull in the doctor's office and your doctor is out front in a tree, what are you gonna do? Get a new doctor. Like it just, does, it doesn't work like that. They did not climb trees. That's not what dignified men and dignified men in that day, they certainly don't run. One of the only other times that we find a man running in scripture, an elderly man running in scripture is the story of the father and the story of the prodigal son. That he runs out, God, God runs out in his rescue. The father heart of God, he runs toward those who are lost. Well, Zacchaeus runs ahead and he climbs up a tree. And what I want you to see, he's desperate. He didn't let the crowd get in his way. And so Zacchaeus goes and he climbs up that tree. He's got, he's, this is his cry out. He's got faith. He's got hope that maybe I can see Jesus and maybe Jesus can change things. Look at verse five. And when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up. Now, Jesus stops and the parade stops. Jesus looks up. What do you do when somebody just looks up? Everybody else looks up. Now, if you're Zacchaeus and you're up in that tree <laughs> and Jesus looks up, you're like, no, 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 no. Because everybody else looks up too. And everybody's like, so is that Zacchaeus up in a tree? And Zacchaeus is holding up. He's closed his eyes. He's like, if they can't see, yeah, if I don't see them, they can't see me. <laughs> Because Zacchaeus wants to hide. He wants to hide. That's what shame does. It makes us want to hide. And so Jesus sees him and everybody's going, all right, what's he going to do? What's Jesus going to do? And Jesus says, Zacchaeus, calls him out. And everybody's like, yeah, Jesus, give it to him. <laughs> give it to the tax man. Let Zacchaeus know. Jesus, tell him. And so Jesus says, Zacchaeus. And Jesus says, Zacchaeus, you're a horrible person. You've made terrible life choices. Zacchaeus, you need to get your stuff together. You need to stop collecting taxes or you're going to hell. Zacchaeus, you are a sellout. You're a traitor. You betrayed God and your country. Shame on you. That's not what Jesus said. That's not at all what Jesus said. That's what other people wanted Jesus to say. But that's not what Jesus said. Look at what Jesus said. He says, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. 
I must stay at your house today. And he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And all the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Listen, Jesus is the most well-known person in all of Israel. He stops for the most hated person in all of Jericho. He says, Zacchaeus, come down. So I want to be, this is scandalous because to share a meal in that day, table fellowship was a sign of intimacy. It was a sign of love. It was a sign of receiving and it wouldn't happen in that day, but Jesus did it. And by doing this, here's what happens. The hostility that is directed towards Zacchaeus is now directed toward Jesus. Jesus takes Zacchaeus shame. And so now people are mad at Jesus for what he just did. That's why they said, what they say? They said, people muttered, he has gone to be the guest. But that's my muttering voice. That's the best muttering voice. He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Jesus was not afraid to be associated with Zacchaeus and he's not afraid to be associated with you. No matter what you've done, no matter what, what has happened to you, the choices you've made, I know your failures may have stacked up and the enemy wants you to think that that's who you are. But Jesus looks at you and he sees you and maybe you're even hiding today. You need to know he sees you and he calls you by name. And when he calls you by name, he calls you out of love. And he invites you. At least Jesus invited Zacchaeus with love and acceptance. Says, let's share a meal together. I want to be with you to friendship and intimacy and a shared meal. And Jesus gives Zacchaeus an invitation before, before Zacchaeus makes any alterations, before he makes any change. See, religion says, you need to change and then I'll accept you. Jesus said, I accept you. I'll give you the power to change. Religion says, if you get your stuff cleaned up, then you can come to God. Jesus says, come to God and I will clean you up. I will power wash your soul. Religion, religion, says, religion says, I've got to get myself out of this and then I'll be good. Jesus says, I will give you my righteousness. I'm going to get you out of this. I will give you my righteousness. And it's only by what I've done for you that you're good with God. Not by your works. Not by your good works. Religion says, I've got to hide what's going on in here my brokenness. And Jesus says, I was broken for you. So you don't have to hide anymore. And Jesus invited him to relationship. And here's what I want you to see. It says that Zacchaeus welcomed him gladly. Isn't that good? Have you welcomed Jesus gladly into your heart? Have you welcomed Jesus gladly into your life? Have you welcomed him gladly? The, the proper um, exegesis of that, of that word um, welcomed him gladly. If you do the translation, what it means is that he got Martin's barbecue. And uh, in the original language, it means he welcomed, he got some sliced brisket and, uh, and he got some macaroni and cheese and he just, and, he, and some sweet tea. And, and he welcomed him gladly into his home. Zacchaeus put on a feast and Jesus is at the table and he welcomes him in. And I want you to see like dinner is over and then look at what happens. Verse eight, it says, but Zacchaeus stood up and said, Lord, look, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Zacchaeus encountered the love of Jesus and now he's a changed man. This man who sold out everything for money is now giving it away like it's Halloween candy. <laughs> because he found a treasure greater than the money. He found the treasure hidden in a field. So he sold everything to buy the field. He found that pearl of great price. So he said, I found everything to go after the pearl. 
Jesus found the, I mean, Zacchaeus, Jesus found Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus found the one who is greater than everything he has. So Zacchaeus goes and he makes amends. He doesn't make amends so that he can, so that he can earn God's love. He receives the love of God, and then he goes and makes amends and makes things right with those that he wronged because he's joining Jesus on his rescue mission. And Zacchaeus doesn't want anything of his old life to get in the way of anybody else finding the rescue that Jesus offers. And so look at, then look at what Jesus says in verse 9. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save that which is lost, to seek and save the lost. Zacchaeus climbed up in a tree because he knew he was as much need as Damar Hamlin. He knew that there was nothing he could do to, serve his, to save himself from his spiritual heart problem. And that climbing up in the tree, that was his cry out. He couldn't get out of the pit on his own, so he climbed up in a tree so he could see Jesus. And Jesus saw him, and Jesus traded places with him. Zacchaeus climbed up a tree so he could see Jesus. Jesus climbed up on a tree on the cross to save Zacchaeus. And on the cross, Jesus took all of Zacchaeus, all of his sin and all of his shame and all of his brokenness so that Zacchaeus could be free. The cross is the ultimate rescue mission. Have you seen his love for you? Have you received his invitation? He says, I want you to be with me. That Jesus trades places with us and we receive the righteousness of Christ when we put our trust in him. And maybe today, like Zacchaeus, you feel overlooked and undervalued, rejected and broken. Maybe there's so much fear in your life or maybe you look back and you're like, there's nothing I can do to solve this problem. And you know, Jesus sees you and he loves you and he welcomes you to himself. Will you welcome him gladly? Will you welcome the rescue gladly? Will you welcome him into your heart? And Jesus said, you're a son of Abraham, which is huge. Because remember back in that day, they said tax collectors, there's no way that they could be in the family of God. Jesus will not leave you as an orphan. He welcomes you into his family. He says, Zacchaeus is a child of God. Imagine a Zacchaeus to hear that. Like, I'm in the family. <laughs> like, I'm a child of God. Jesus went to Jericho that day on a rescue mission. Um, the heart of God is never okay with lost kids. We were at the county fair back when Durham was little. Now he's little, but like, and I'm the wee little man, but like now when he was little, we were at the county fair and we were all together. And then one moment we weren't. And we, Rhea and I, we have four kids and we were like, one, two, three. We're like, where's Durham? And he must've been, you know, six, seven, little guy. And we couldn't find him. And I've got an active imagination. Just so you know, the county fair is not where you want to lose a kid. So I've got an active imagination. In that moment, I begin like fear. And we're looking around. We're tracing our steps. We look, we find a police officer. We're like, can you help us? And he helped. But we just, we couldn't find her. And it took, it was maybe 30 minutes before we, before we found him. But that 30 minutes is long enough for cardiac arrest. It's long enough in that moment, more gray hair. I mean, it's in that moment where I'm like, we got to. And so we're, we're looking frantically, but we were at the county fair in the place that we'd grown up for a long time. And so like, we would see people that we know and we'd see people we know we're like, hey, can you be looking for Durham? Can you see if you can find Durham? And so everybody, pretty, pretty soon, we had a lot of people looking for Durham. And finally, we found him. And there was rejoicing that happened that we, that we found. And never once in that whole ordeal did I look over at Ree, did I look over at my wife, and did I say, hey, we got three out of four, let's go. 
Never once did I go, hey, 3 out of 4 is not a bad batting average. I mean, if you... Because the father heart is never okay with lost kids. And God is on a rescue mission for those who have lost their way. Listen, we all lose our way sometime. And the father heart of God is pursuing you. He loves you so much that he sent Jesus. He loves you so much that he's brought you to this moment in his pursuit. And once you've been found, will you join him on the rescue mission? Listen, we are not a country club for Christians. We're a hospital for the sick. We are a rescue mission for those who have lost their way. And so if he has rescued you and you got a song to sing and a story to tell, well, then let's join together and let's, let's look for those who, are, who have fallen in pits and let's look for those who are climbing trees and let's be the ones who climb up to the top of a telephone pole and staple up a sign that says Jesus saves. And let's let our lives be together. The sign. So if Jesus can save me, he can rescue me, he can rescue you too. So I wonder today, where do you need a rescue? Where do you need the rescue? Maybe it is from sin and death and hell. It's that moment where you put your trust in Jesus and you begin new life in him. Maybe that's the rescue today. Well, we're gonna lead you in a prayer. If, that's, if you haven't experienced that, to, to say yes to him. But it's bigger than that. It's bigger than that. It's more comprehensive than that. And so I want to put that sign, that picture back up. And that we just slow down in the traffic of our lives, that we'd slow down and that we would look at that sign and together just ask Jesus, Jesus, where do I need a rescue? Holy Spirit, would you reveal where I need a rescue today? And then leave just a moment for you just to Sit still and be still and know that he is God. Be still and know that he's a rescuer and that he sees you and that he loves you. And let this be your moment for the cry out. So if you've never received salvation the first time to say, Jesus, I need forgiveness for my sin. I've lost my way. I need your grace. I put my trust in you. I want to begin a relationship with you. And you just whisper a prayer. Say, Jesus, will you save me? I want you to be the leader for my life. I want to be a disciple. I want to follow you. Holy Spirit, would you reveal to each person who's listening to this message, each person, where we need a rescue today? Maybe it's a family situation, a broken heart, anxiety, depression, intrusive thoughts, heartache, addiction, doubts, uncertainty, pride, 
selfishness. Lies, shame, Name it. Fear. God, I thank you that your arm is not too short to save. And your ear is not dull of hearing. That you find irresistible a cry out. pray that today we would receive the rescue and that we would join you in your rescue mission. Would you help us see our need for rescue and would you help us see others who need the rescue as well? And that as rescued people we've been saved from but we've also been saved for with a song to sing and a story to tell. So I pray that with this song, that it would be sung over us today and that we would receive your heart toward us, that we would receive afresh the rescue and join you in it. In Jesus' name, amen.
And I 